Hi, I'm Brian Boger. Welcome to my podcast, Flipping the Lid. I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur, and well, just a human being like you. I've faced personal tragedy, significant trauma. I've dealt with shame, anger, and self-doubt, all of which have created a ripple effect of damage in my world. I'm grateful that I've learned the importance of looking and going inside to create, repair, unpack, and reach levels of success that I never believed possible. Now as a coach, keynote speaker, and author, I'm fascinated by the stories that have shaped some of our world's most significant and successful individuals. So we're going to flip the lid and take a look inside the stories that have shaped their lives and success. And we'll be featuring a number of individuals who have literally flipped the lid in their lives and businesses. Welcome to Flipping the Lid. Let's go jump in. Well, you know what we do here by now on Flipping the Lid. It's getting truth. It's getting to the bottom, the real stories that have shaped some of the most significant, successful people on this planet. And what's really beautiful is, as I've been able to build my reach and my network, we get access to really incredible people. Individuals that literally have been homeless at points in their life that might be more likely to be pulling green chain at a warehouse or, or really who don't even have a formal high school or college edu education in many cases, yet have built some of the largest learning management platforms that exist, multiple eight-figure businesses, and as one of the foreseen experts on personal brands, somebody who's really understand how to actually put content out there in a meaningful way to build an audience to connect with so that you can really add value into their lives. It's an individual I've had a chance to be on his show twice, and uh, I'm really looking forward to jumping in with you today, Brad. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. Appreciate it. So I said, I know you were talking about me. I know, dude. I was waiting to say who's coming on the show today. Yeah, I know. It sounds like a really interesting guy, though, right? It does. It does. So, so who are you really? Well, I mean, that, that would describe me. That would describe me. I didn't know you knew I pulled green chain at Warehouser. Like, how'd you know that? I just, I remember you telling me where you were from. And how I, did figured you, there, I, I didn't know if you actually pulled green chain. But how, actually, do you, how do you remember Warehouser? Well, it's an organ, bro. Oh, yeah. Like, damn. Did you actually work there? And you actually pulled chain for a minute. What's a minute? Like a month or like a um, year? You know, to me, my memory is is almost um, like I, I'll say the other day, and I mean twelve years ago. So I was like, you know, I don't know. I was there for a minute, like a month or two. I didn't keep okay. very many jobs very long, especially hard labor ones. You know, I realized quickly that hard labor mm -hmm. is not my thing. I didn't like it. I didn't have to be, you know, educated to know that. How, how old were you when you figured that out? Realistically, 17. Okay. And at that point, how many hard labor jobs did you already have? Three. Three. Okay. So from 15 to 17, probably went in and out of a few of them and decided you didn't want to. What were the other two? It was Green Chain. And what else did you do? I was supposedly fighting forest fires. Okay. So I got a job with the Forest Service. Okay. They told me to show up like 4 a.m. So... I had to get up like at 3.30. That was the first problem. <laughs> and so I show up at uh, 4 a.m. We ride a bus all the way up into the mountains. And I'm waiting to, you know, see these raging fires. And I went around bragging to everybody that I'm going to fight fires. And, you know, I pictured myself kind of up there with a the flannel shirt and, you know, saving eagle eggs and, you know, just like some sort of hero. And I showed like Mr. American. <laughs> yeah. With an axe over my shoulder, like, where's the fire? So I, I can actually see you in that character. We may have to reenact that as like your alter ego for some, some skit or something. I showed up um, and ultimately they pointed at this big leather looking 
backpack, well, plastic, I should say, rubber. And it was filled with water. It was big, heavy. They said, put that on. It's called a piss bag. That's what they called it. So I was a piss bag operator. I wasn't a firefighter. They were over there fighting the fire. I was in the back where the stumps were smoldering, and I was supposed to take this 50-pound bag of water and squirt stumps that were smoldering so they wouldn't reignite, causing the real firefighters to have to come back. Oh. So, so I was just like this grunt worker climbing up and down mountains like it was disastrous. And then I got a little patch of poison oak right here. So I walked into the dude and I said, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come in because I got poison oak. And, and the guy opened his shirt up and he was covered in poison oak. Oh, gee. Yeah, and he said, dude, that's just part of the job. <laughs> and you're like, I'm out. Yeah, I said, well, <laughs> well I'm done. He's like, we'll go sit in the bus and wait for the crew to be done and you know, drive back and we'll see you. So it was a sought after job. Everyone told me to get a real job. So I did. And that was the job. And then that was the last one that, that I had to get before I realized I don't really like this. So I opened up the newspaper, saw an ad for selling cars, went in and applied, got the job. Boom. Still in Oregon? I've been in sales my whole life. Yep. Cool. Which, your- which, which, by the way, sales, having the ability to sell clothes, persuade, developing that thick skin that the car business allows, made me. So I think we're always in sales. I don't care what role it is. I think it's always relationships and it's always figuring out ways to add value and create impact. Right. And like, that's one of the things I've appreciated about you is you are in sales, you teach sales, you talk about sales, but there are many situations that you don't necessarily make someone feel like they're being sold. Right. Because I do genuinely believe that though you have an interest to build the revenue in your business, you also really care to make sure that there's alignment for the individual in your audience. Because whether it's selfish reasons or not, you recognize they're going to be with you longer and it's going to be a greater impact on whatever they're doing. Right. Well, that's intelligent. Yes. Uh, it's not why I just believe in integrity and ethics. And it's like, if, if I can't help you, why would I want your money? Yeah. Which is by the way, the exact reason I feel like I've continued to want to have conversations with you because I know that's how you operate. Yeah. And that's like just beautiful thing. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood previous jobs? Like what did it look like growing up in marketing? What was your family life like? Um, you know, I tend to think it was good when people hear about it. They're all, you know, ah, but like, it was a normal childhood for me. And it was, I think, normal for a lot of people. But my dad was kind of a blue-collar worker for a minute. He got entrepreneurial for a, for a split second and got sued and gave up, basically, went back to blue-collar. But he was basically a blue-collar worker, um, had four kids at home. One stayed with my real mom. And we were kind of the, the, we were told to be seen and not heard. In other words, you know, he didn't, he didn't interact with us much. Okay. And, and our mom, our stepmom, um, didn't really either. So we were kind of left to our own devices, but that's probably because I had two older brothers and they would, you know, watch me and my sister. But at the end of the day, it was just a normal, I would say low income yeah. childhood. You know, we got presents and food and, you know, went to school. But, you know, I always kind of felt like we were the the, the scum of the neighborhood. Yeah. Because so, we lived in that, we lived in a neighborhood, believe it or not, that was filled with beautiful homes and rich people. Yeah. But we had this little shit shack 
amongst these beautiful homes. It was mm. the craziest thing. You, you'll never see that again in your life. But mm. it was the craziest thing. And then, and then when my dad became entrepreneurial, he built the house up to where the house that we lived in growing up became the sunken living room in the house that we built. Oh. So we built a house around the house. And then it was a nice house uh, for, a, for a minute till he got sued. Then we had to move. But anyway, I always felt like, you know, people looked down on us because we weren't, we weren't, yeah. we weren't rich. How do you think that shaped your view of the world and other people and trust? I don't know. I know that I used to pretend we were rich mm. and lie about being rich. And I would try to convince all the neighborhood kids that we were actually rich. I'd tell them my dad owned Disneyland. Mm. I would show monopoly cards to prove that we own property. And obviously they figured that out was a lie. And so for probably three, three years, I was almost alienated. You know, even parents didn't want their kids hanging out with me because I just lied for no reason. Right. Now, once we moved, because we ended up moving, I decided I'm not going to do that anymore because literally I was rejected, outcast. Hmm. So I just went the opposite route. And I started just saying, okay, I am who I am and I'm going to be who I am. And if you don't like it, you know, too bad. And so that t tended to work out well. You know, people started liking me. I started getting friends and, you know, became popular. Yeah. And uh, so authenticity has always served me well. Well, I think it's actually really incredible that you were able to shift into that in so many early years because I, I identify with a lot of what you actually said. I mean, we grew up in North Scottsdale and we were not poor, but we were not the affluent in the group either, right? I bought my first car for, it was a $4,000 Acura Integra and one of my best friends was bought a 700 series BMW, right? When we were 16. And I recognize and remember the disconnect that I felt sometimes as it related to that and feeling like we were the ones that were the outcast. And, you know, I know that for myself, I chased a lot of what's in my world because I lacked the who, not only with myself and the connection with myself, because it took me 25 years to fucking repair all the shit and start to come back to center for me. Um, you seem to have done it through a period of a few years that you can clearly talk about feeling isolated, alone, and disconnected. I know that time is not something that you track very well. Was that like late teens, early teens? No, no. Any jobs? No, that was like seven years old to, to nine, yeah. maybe 10, being alienated and outcast. And then, you know, from, let's say, 11 through 14. Yeah. You know, I just stopped lying and, and trying to be someone I wasn't. And what changed with relationships externally you when you changed to just own you? Well, people, again, I mean, people started accepting me. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the universe is a, is a crazy thing. And if you allow it to do its job and you be you authentically, yeah. the universe will filter out the people that shouldn't be around you. And, and will attract the people that should. But if you're not yourself, if you're not being authentically you, it doesn't work. Yeah. So it's almost like you can, you can act a certain way and you will attract a certain group of people. But if it's not really you, that, that, that's short-lived. So I think once I became, you know, almost shamed into mm -hmm. being authentic, I just 
owned it. And as soon as I started owning it, you know, I think the universe is, is, is why, yeah. but I started to become popular. Why? Because I was attracting the right mm-hmm. people and I was repelling the right people. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, it's the, it's the same thing. It's you're attracting the right people and you're getting rid of the right people, yeah. right people to get rid of. So I think the universe did it, but after I became like me or I stopped lying and I stopped trying to be someone I wasn't and I started just owning who I was, I got popular. Yeah. So, but, but I but I still didn't have ethics at that time. Awesome. And so I still want to hear about that and we're going to come full circle, but, but I think that that's really beautiful what you said, because I actually believe that when people have the deepest connection with themselves, that's when the universe starts to work on their behalf. When they're in alignment internally, intellectually and emotionally, when they know who they are, and they can be in a position to be able to drop their guard, right? So you even said it, it's like, I used to lie and tell people these things because I was guarded because I felt like I was less than. I disconnected me, isolated me. Now all of a sudden I decided I'm gonna reconnect with who I am and just own that and not give two shits about anybody else or the expectation. And then all of a sudden it started to flow into your world, like meaningful connection. And so that's where I think so many people have a struggle. And I think you and I, I know we've talked about this, that hard is a perspective. It absolutely is, right? It's like, oh, we talked about this pre-show and we've talked about this before. Building business is hard. Well, is it? Right? No, it's here that's hard. It's here that's hard. It's dealing with teams that's hard, right? Those things can be complicated. I believe that a lot of the resistance that people experience in relationships, business, and life is all internal. And it's the lack of alignment in who they are. You early shifted there at 11. And by 15 or 16, we're very clear that I'm not a physical laborer. And so you already were in a path to be on the sales. Yeah. Well, again, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to yeah. realize hard labor is not necessarily the best op- option. A lot of people think hard work, you'll get far. The hardest workers out there are the ones that, are, that have the least amount of money. Yeah, I agree. So the, it's, it's the ones that are paying those people to do that work because they don't want to. Yeah. So if I can afford to pay you to do the hard labor, do you think you're making more money than me? I don't think so. So I quickly realized that. And I'm like, listen, I got to switch this up. When did you leave Oregon? Well, I left a couple times, but um, permanently in 1990. No, 89. I went to Seattle until 1991. And then I moved to Vegas and stayed there forever. Okay. And I think I remember you telling me at some point that you wanted to be an actor at some point. Yeah, I went down. I I mean, I was an actor. I still am an actor. Aren't we all? I think to some degree, there's truth to that. So tell, tell me about that, though. Like, what, what was the drive to be an actor? And in, whether it was a short period or a long period of time, what did that period of your life do to kind of shape your path? Well, you know, when I was younger, uh, there was a talent scout, let's just say, that found me or, or saw me and wanted me to go audition. So I went and auditioned. I got the Levi's commercial. And then um, I got on a show called Knott's Landing, which was, which was back in the day. And, and then I got a starring role in a movie um, that, that ended up not coming out. But at the end of the day, I, I got bit by the acting bug because some lady named Catherine Wilson saw me at a store and said, you need to come, you know, audition for this. So I did. And I would be around the set and, you know, people would give me attention because I was a little actor kid. And, you know, I just loved the attention. So like, I just got bit by the bug. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna be a movie star. Yeah. 
So I figured I was going to be a movie star the whole time. Um, almost did it, but ended up ultimately losing a role to a producer's son who got out of drug rehab. And as a reward, they gave him my part. Mm. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. I've got a contract. I've got the part already. And they're like, well, he's the producer and that's who makes these decisions. And so I thought, well, then I'll just be the producer. I'll be the one that pays for the film. Let me go make a million real quick. Yeah. And so I said, man, I'm going to go become a millionaire. And I didn't know it'd take, you know, 25, 30 years. <laughs> well, I figured it'd take two years, but it took way longer. And so now one of these days, I'm actually going to produce a movie, give myself a significant role, not the lead, because I want people to come see it and I want it to be a real movie. <laughs> But but I'm going to give myself a, a real role in it yeah. to, where, to where it's either after that, I'm either an actor or the world, the, the market will say, no, you're not. You're a rich dude that paid for yourself to be in a movie. One of the two. And, and neither one you're up to. Well, worst case scenario, I got a great souvenir to show my grandkids. Yeah. You know, look, there's grandpa in a movie. But, but uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a, a similar thing that happened to Vince Vaughn and, uh, you know, um, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, um, what's his name? Matt, uh, Damon, Matt Damon. Yeah. From Goodwill hunting. Like they do, they, people liked them. Mm -hmm. Like it kicked off their career. I think that's what will happen with me, but it has to be the right role. What? I, I'm fascinated. So you're going to do this. Do you have any idea the storyline, the theme, anything yet? Not yet. I mean, you know, I've, I've written probably 30 pages of a script that I would definitely produce that movie. I'd need to finish it, number one. And number two, then I'd have to shop it around because, you know, I'm not quite sure, like, it has all the elements of a good script. You know, there's there's certain elements that all movies have, you know. It's true. Um, yeah, so, like, I'm not sure it fits that. So I would probably bring in somebody, a writer or somebody to say, hey, make sure it's got all the elements yeah. of a good movie. But the scripting and the dialogue would be awesome because yeah. I, I can write good dialogue. Yeah. And and I don't think really acting is 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 very difficult. Someone told me that comedy was difficult. I was just kidding. I was literally just about to ask you that. Didn't you do like a live comedy show? Yeah. And I said, it's, it can't be that difficult. And they're like, dude, are you kidding me? It's one of the hardest things on planet <laughs> Earth. And I'm like, dude. It can't be that difficult. It's not that difficult. He said, dude, I'm op I'm doing a show in Vegas. Why don't you come uh, do a bit? And I said, shit, no problem. And he invited me down there, and I walked out and did it. And, uh, you know, you can see it on YouTube if you want to go look it up. It's just Google CEO does stand-up comedy. I will do that. Yeah. So, you know, I did it, and I got a bunch of laughs. And, and uh, I think it was very good for never doing it yeah. so did they uh I, I interviewed dane cook a comedian no, Dane is awesome dane cook i let him watch it and, and said what do you think and he said dude like you're 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 funnier and better than a lot of comedians yeah. that i know that are like pretty good comedians like they're well known so i mean again why does everybody say things are so hard when they're not you know how do you get up on that stage i walk up there you know, how do, how do you, like, how do you not walk up on that stage? Mm -hmm. What, why are you mentally, cause it's all mental. Why are you thinking that that must be difficult to do? Well, what if everybody laughs at you? Well, that's the point. 
Well, what if everyone doesn't last? Yeah. Well, who cares? You realize that most people haven't moved beyond the 10, 8, 9, 10, and 11-year-old self that you experience. Well, thank most God I Most people are that. still in a position where they feel less than. They're not enough. The, the trash from their past has made them believe. Dude, if we had a bomb button, I'd be smashing it. Right? But I'm telling you, like, again, you say it's mental, but it's not just mental. It's mental and emotional. It, it, well, and, it's, it, and that's what I believe is the trash from people's past. And that's until they identify and remove the trash from their past that no longer serves them, they will repeat the same patterns. And you are someone, that's why I say, like, it's remarkable to me that you were able to do that at such a young age because there are so many people who are stuck in that same developmental period. Well, see, but you were in touch with all that stuff. To me, I didn't realize I was doing it. I just did it. Yeah. So, so there's a difference. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, bring in all of that emotional IQ but and, you didn't and, need and to. understand that I need to reconnect with myself. Like I just, I just but you didn't need to. The point was you made a decision that you're going to live as Bradley from this point for, forward, regardless of what the judgment of others are. Period. And you're going to have the belief and conviction that what you set your mind, your heart, and your soul to, you're going to accomplish, or you're going to realize it's not longer in line. Like that's what I believed about. And again, to be able to live and shift into that conviction at such a young age is something that many people don't, which is why I think that your perception of heart is so different. Yeah. Like generally. So, and I, and I give credit to you for that. So I think I was cured of allodoxophobia. I don't know that term. I've heard it. What is it? Look it up. Google it. I don't have a, I don't know anything. I it's can't Google it. It's the fear of other people's opinion. Is that what it is? Really? I, 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 it's funny. Given all of what I do, I don't know that word. Now you do. <laughs> Allodoxophobia. Allodoxophobia. Allodoxophobia is the fear of the judgment of others, other people's opinions. But like that, some people have it. That's what holds bad. so many people back. Yeah. And some people have it badly where it literally causes them anxiety. But, you know, that's why you won't get on a stage. That's why right. you won't speak in public. That's why you don't want to give your That's opinion. why you won't make the calls to grow your business. That's why you won't have the difficult conversation with your spouse that's no longer in alignment. That's why you're not. I mean, literally. 100%. It's no different. It's always coming back to that. I think I just solved humanity's main problem, allodoxophobia. <laughs> Everybody's got it. Honestly, but yeah. you don't seem to. Well, I, I, I think I have it a little bit. Like I wouldn't want to be, um, you know, standing in a, in a, I, I wouldn't want to be at Epstein's Island, right? I do care about that. Like I don't want to be looked upon as a bad guy. No. So, so like it's still there in certain ways. But it doesn't paralyze me. So in other words, I've got less allodoxophobia than most. So let me ask you a question. You don't want to be looked at as a bad guy, but are you a bad guy? No, but that's the thing. That's, yeah. why, that's why I believe I don't need your validation right. or other people's validation because I validate myself. I already know I'm up doing good things every day. I know my intentions yeah. and they're pure as the driven snow. Yeah. That's the craziest part. What are your intentions? To help people. Yeah. Like, I just like, like, to me, it's easy and everybody else seems to be struggling. So I want to help the people by giving them the information that's, that's out there because most people are failing because they don't have the right information, mm -hmm. right? They're not failing because they want to. Some people want to judge them. Oh, he's a loser. You know, he, he, I just want to help them. Yeah. You know, funny, one of my uh, clients that became pretty well known, he, he is the opposite. Like he's transactional and I'm relational. Yeah. And he asked me one time, he says, dude, why do you pay so much attention to all these losers is basically what he said. And I said, cause the winners don't need me, bro. Mm. He did. He totally disagreed. He said, dude, and, and, and 
a lot of people agree with them. You focus on the winners. Screw the losers. But for me, they're the ones that need the help. That's why they're losing. They don't have the right information. So let me let the winners win. Hey, win, brother. Let me go help the loser that's not able to win because they don't have the right information. They don't know how to do that. They don't know how to say that. They're not aware of these things. As soon as they're aware of these things, I've watched a million people change. And I've watched a million people win. They just needed the right information. So I'm up every day literally trying to get the knowledge from the people who have it to the people who need it. Yeah. Literally, and and providing opportunities. I, I again, this is one of the things I've always loved about you because I've always felt that from your heart. Like from the second I met you in person, that's always what I've believed about you because that's what I believe. Like you genuinely care about helping people. You want to be able to reach down and help pull them up and get as many people to get beyond those thresholds as possible. Okay. And I definitely know because it exists in the space that you and I both exist in, and we see it all the time that there is conversations that are out there for people to market and target only to the wealthy because that's who has the money. Yes, and because, because they want the money. They don't want the help, they want the money. Bingo, okay? And so that's where I've had a fundamental gap for a lot of individuals is like, look, I'm a high ticket, I'm high ticket for people to access the work that I do. For us to literally help people go through the work, I'm not, I'm not inexpensive. But the reality of it is, is I also want to be able to have solutions that are almost zero barrier of entry for everyone to be able to access from a financial standpoint, because I want to be able to allow people to elevate themselves, not to contain them where they are. What's your philosophy on that? And why do you care so much to help people? Um, well, I mean, I don't know why I care. Like, you know, I really kind of don't care. Um, I just want it to be available. In other words, I can only help you. I can only save you from drowning if, if you're willing to swim towards me. But those that swim, you care deeply. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you're willing to swim towards me, I'm just there to give you the information. Yeah. Like, I'm not following up to make sure you're using it. I, I don't deeply care. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to help. You know, I think everyone, if they just tried to help, the world would instantly become a better place. Yeah. A lot of people are so scared and looking to help themselves. That, that, you know, the world's a little bit of a, you know, the treacherous place. That's, again, to me, a perspective. I, I don't think the world's a treacherous place. Yeah. You know, I'm lucky as anyone on planet Earth. When people ask me, I even have it in my Twitter profile. It says, I'm lucky as hell and willing to roll the dice. Because I am lucky and I'm willing to roll the dice. But that combination is freaking deadly. Well, it is deadly, but I also think it requires significant alignment in who you are to because I think there's a lot of people who don't know who the fuck they are, who are out of alignment, who have a high risk tolerance, and they may have been lucky in their lives, but they'll roll the dice and ultimately things can still blow up, <laughs> right? And, and obviously there's failures that happen along the way. I'm curious, I wanna, I wanna ask a couple quick questions because there was something you said a minute ago and I really wanted to pick up on this because I wanna go back to sales. That's why I interrupt people, by the way. Why is that? Because if I don't, you lose the train of thought. I'll forget what I was going to say, and I always wanted to like, damn. If there, if it's important enough, it comes back to me. And right. I don't like read questions. These are here just as reference, but yeah. But I used to, I used to say, I'll just make a note so I can come back to it. Yeah. And that's a little more polite. Yeah. But you know, interrupting is just as easy. Yeah. And and I don't have a problem interrupting either. But what you were saying was still relevant, so I wanted to flush that out before we went anywhere else. All right, go for it. Um, you said back then you liked attention. You yeah. liked the attention. Do you still like attention? I don't mind it. I don't crave it, but I don't mind it. You know, my wife sometimes will roll her eyes because I'm starting to get recognized now. Like literally everywhere. Well, it's a huge platform. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of weird to be recognized almost as a celebrity would be. Like, you know, like I'm in movies and TV and I'm not. Matter of fact, I had a guy the other day walk up in the airport, man, you made, you made, a, you changed my life. And I'm like, really? Thank you, man. He, he, he said, yeah, I've been following you since you had 8,000 followers. And I said, oh, cool. Um, you know, can I take a picture? So my wife's like, you know, whatever. So she takes our picture. And then, and then she's, she said, uh, we're walking like another, I'd say two minutes tops. Some dude rolls up. He goes, oh my God, dude, you're that dude. And I'm like, uh. How are you? He, he, he's like, dude, I love your stuff. Can I take your picture? I said, well, how, how do you know who I am? And he says, dude, I watch you on TV all the time. And I said, I'm not on TV. He said, well, you know, Instagram. And I thought to myself, you know, damn, dude, social media is the new TV. Mm-hmm. That's where everybody's, everybody's on their phones. That's where everybody is all day long. We used to be on our TV and watching programs. They would call them programs back when I was a kid. But now social media instagram TikTok, linkedin youtube that is tv this guy literally said i i watch you all the time on tv and i've, and I've not been on tv so it's like to me I, I thought to myself dude this right here is a broadcasting station it absolutely is so i can now put my message or put my brand is what it is out into the world and i've been doing it for probably let's say four years and now that has been the ROI is ridiculous. So if anyone else there listening to this says, what would I do if I were you? Well, I would build a personal brand, period. Well, that's what I think is interesting because you say like you're, it's surprising to you that you're almost viewed as a celebrity, but that's also what you believe and kind of were doing was to make yourself known, right? So like, it's interesting that like you say it's weird to you, but like, wasn't that the plan? I mean, I've heard you talk about like the importance of building a brand so that people know you so that they know who to come to. Yeah, but I, but I didn't realize it would like celebritize you. And that wasn't your goal. Your goal wasn't to be a celebrity. No, I mean, to me, if, if you're a movie star, you're a celebrity. If you're a rock star, you're so a celebrity. You still want to be a celebrity because you still want to be a movie star. Yeah, I, will, I, I would like to be a celebrity at some point to, okay. where, to where I can't, I, like I walk into a mall and I get swarmed by autograph seekers. That's not what's happening now. Got it. But I do get recognized and people do want my picture. And they always say that I changed their life. Like I made a big impact in their life. And I'm thinking back like, dude, I don't say that magical you just, stuff. What you do though, bro, is you speak truth and you speak truth in nuts, right? And you do speak truth in a way that polarizes people and is divisive in a certain way. And I don't think it's always done intentionally that way, but you make people feel something when you talk. Well. That's that, yeah. no, but that's that's the truth, and so that's what I, I've always said to you is it's like, man, like your ability to create influence because of the bite sized pieces that you produce and the audience that you've built, like you really can influence in large degrees, yeah. So maybe this is like your, your hard work trial for like what's coming later, and maybe this is your window of time to determine, like, do I really want to be a celebrity now that you're starting to get recognized? Yeah, no, I'd definitely say I would. Okay, so everything so far is still indicating- Well, the payoff is ridiculous. You know, one time I was out with Mike Tyson, and I'm sitting next to him, kind of acting as a shield from the public, because, dude, you talk about famous, that dude's Oh, dude, everybody. So everyone kept coming up to him, coming up to him, and I looked at him, and I said, uh, dude, has it been worth it? He goes, yeah. I said, after all the prison and all the crap you've been through, you know, being famous worth it is ultimately what our conversation was. He looked at me and he said, yeah. In other words, yeah, dude. I mean, people can sit there and be like, oh, I want to be anonymous. Well, if you can be a billionaire and get tables and get all the perks anonymously, 
yeah, I think I'd, you know, prefer to be an anonymous billionaire with all the celebrity perks, but you don't get celebrity perks unless you're a celebrity. I know, I know celebrities and we'll go to a restaurant you can't get in mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll, they'll bring a table out from the kitchen to seat these people. They will literally seat these people. So it's just like, it's just cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, you know, it's like someone just gave me a Rolls Royce to shout them out. And I'm like, sure. You know, they're like, Hey, if I give you Rolls Royce for a little while, you, would you give us a shout out? And I'm like, sure. I'm, I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't I like you, you just give me a Rolls Royce to drive. I haven't driven one. I, I've been wanting to drive one to see if I even like them. And sure enough, he sends me a Rolls Royce Cullinan, black, red interior, black badge, carbon fiber, the whole bit. They're badass cars, by the way. And um, just to give them a shout out, I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. But when I'm rolling up into a business and a Rolls Royce, they treat you different. They just treat you different. It's like, yeah, I like it. Now, again, I prefer my Ford Raptor, which is a truck. If someone said, dude, you're gonna have to pick Rolls Royce or Raptor, I'm taking the Raptor for sure. Um, but dude, it does feel good to roll up in a Rolls Royce and and have uh people look at you almost as if you're mythical and celebrity. So because of that, yeah, I, I can't deny that I, I I would still wanna be a celebrity, but I wanna be like a real celebrity, like a movie star celebrity, not a social not, media. Not like a social media celebrity. Yeah, I don't want to be like a train wreck celebrity either, like you know. I don't want to be, you know, on a reality TV show and then get famous for it. And then and I'm famous for being a freaking jerk off or a loser yeah. or, or, or some sort of slut or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. I want to be famous for movies or, or TV. How much of what you do now is performance? Zero. So earlier when we were talking about sales and acting and all of that, right? It, there was an element where you were like, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of all performance and sales, right? So in sales, I think you're authentic. You approach things. It was your primary path to get success. And you've been in sales since you dropped in. Yes. But I don't think it's acting. When I said I'm still an actor, it means I'm, I still am an actor. I don't think you stop being one. Um, but, but, uh, I'm, I haven't acted in, 20 years, you know, actually I lied, you know, somebody told me to be in this movie. So I thought, okay, I'll do it. And it turned out to be, you heard of low budget movies this is a no budget movie, but I went down there and acted. But at the end of the day, I don't think um, I've acted and I don't act every day. And at all to me, acting is making believe, you know, be pretending to be something yeah. else. I don't do that. I yeah. do the exact opposite. Yeah. But I think I think that's why I say the right role. Why? Because I don't want to act. I want to react. I think I think right now, like if these were lines in a movie that we were just reading through, see the way you're nodding your head, you wouldn't do that if you were an actor because it, you know unless you're a damn good actor because this isn't acting. Right. But if the cameras were on and this was a scripted scene, yeah, shit, dude, we'd get Academy Awards for this. Yeah. Yeah, just the way you wiggled your foot, just the way you're nodding your head. Like, you wouldn't do that if you were acting. Right. So I think acting should be reacting. And that's why I think I'll end up winning an Academy Award if I ever do it. Hmm. And I might not do it. Because, again, I mean, you know, 
I'm getting old. <clears throat> and besides that, I'm getting to a point where I almost want to just like sail away. Yeah. Turn so, off the old social media accounts. And you and I talked about that on your last show. I was like, why don't you, bro? Like you could sell everything and do like yes. you could disappear. Yes. Why don't you? Well, I, I don't think it's time. When is it time? I don't know. Three to five years, maybe. Okay. So you have a window you're at least thinking of. Yeah. Well, not to shut down social media. I think three to five years to sell everything. Okay. And then, and then probably five years after that, I'll fade away as a legend. <laughs> An icon. Dude, I love it. I love it. Um, like Warren Buffett. You heard of him, right? A couple times. Who hasn't? But who'd want to, no offense to Warren, who'd want to be Warren? Yeah. I wouldn't want to be Warren. Would no. you want to be Warren? No. Dude, now there's people who are like, oh, I'd love to be Warren Buffett. No, what you would love is to have his success, but you probably don't actually want to be him. No. Right? So again, that's what I consider like, if you want to really get in tune or alignment with yourself, get to a point where you don't want to be anyone else. You don't, you, you want to be you. Like, I want to be me. You are one of the people that I see consistently and legitimately meaning that statement. Like, I hear you say it all the time, right? Like, don't try to be like fucking me. Try to be like you. And I think that that's one of the things in the influencer space that's caused so much lack of trust is that so many situations are, for many, building platforms to say, do you want to live like I do? Do you want to have like what I have? Do you want to be like me? Here's what you do. And that's not what I see with you. You see giving education, opportunity, access to technology and information that you didn't have with the sole desire to not get anybody to be like you, but to be who they are. Well, that is to be like me though. Meaning that you have the same conviction and understanding in who they are and can move through the world without hesitation. Yeah. Meaning, meaning, I am who I am, and I want you to be who you are, which yes. in theory, coincidentally is being like is me. being like me. And so I love how you said that. And I think that's really beautiful. You, uh, you and I talked at one point as well, you have seven kids yeah. from four different women. Mm -hmm. And you said that like a little bit joking, I think on the on the podcast at one point, like not like as it was a joke, but you said it like, yeah, I mean, I've got this and this is what it is. Just very matter of fact, and owned it again. Um, Give a little bit of context to the journey through the multiple marriages and the kids. And what does it mean for you to be a husband and a father? Well, I wasn't married to all of them. Fair enough. Number one, I was 17, decided to okay. try sex, tried it, boom, had it. One time. One time. First time, only time, bam. And then I stayed away, you know, smarter for a couple of years, actually a year and a half. And then when I was 19, I'm like, dude, I'll try it again. And bam, another one. So two for two. <laughs> and I'm 19. And, 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 and not only that, didn't have a choice. Like, you, I don't, you know, hey, don't, we're not having a baby at this age. You know, they get to choose. Women get to choose. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. Yeah, I think, again, I mean, you know, I got my feelings about that. But, you know, it turned out all right. Now, obviously, you know, you, you always look back and you're thankful <clears throat> that you had kids. But. <clears throat> during during it you're like you know what are you doing you know get rid of it have an abortion you know you know but you're not really thinking as a kid so so 17 high school sweetheart boom have one 19 you know random hookup 
bam, add one. That's not crazy, is it? Like that that could happen to anybody. And if anyone thinks they, you know, like, oh, that's 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 low. Dude, listen, if you didn't hump a couple times when you were a kid, then you're the weird one, not me. Normal everybody does. So I just happen to be more effective than most. So which reminds me of a funny story. There was a couple that came over to our house. My wife was pregnant with my current wife is pregnant with my, with our with our third, I believe, maybe second. And um, the girl was trying to get pregnant with this guy for like a while. Apparently, can't. And she walked in, saw Melissa was pregnant again, and she's like, "Oh, I want to be pregnant like Melissa, or no, I want to get pregnant like Melissa." And I said, "Well, then you're gonna have to come over more." <laughs> But anyway, so I mean, you delivered first two right out of the gate, though. That's yeah, so I'm effective. Okay, I don't mess around. <laughs> I don't play. You know, I quit school because of recess. I did not know. Yeah, I don't play. But that's a joke. But um, so there's the first two, and then I got married at 21, 22, and had a couple of kids. Okay, right, two boys, and then had to divorce her because she wanted to be in charge. Period. And uh, and that's not happening. Not with me. I'm, no one's in charge of me. I don't like being told what to do. So we we divorced. And then I got married to this current one and had three more. So there's seven with yeah. four women. And it's totally explainable. Like, it's not of that course. it's not that big of a deal. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, listen, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But they could also be perspective. Yeah. You know, I don't think anything I've done is a big deal. I don't think, which is funny too, because I tell everybody not to be humble. Well, humility I do, but I don't believe being humble because if you look up the definition, by definition, it says to have a low opinion of one's own importance. Mm. I don't think you're going to succeed very well if you walk around thinking you're not important. I think, I think I've always acted important and I've always thought I was important and I still do. And I'm successful. I don't know a lot of successful people that don't think they're important. They act it. They want to say they're humble. They want to pretend they're humble, but they're not necessarily humble. And I don't think you should be. And people are, well, it's in the Bible. Listen, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible nobody's observing. Yeah. Okay, like thou shalt not judge. We're, we're all judging. You judge every single day. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot of things in the Bible that people don't listen to. I would say if God appeared, I would be humble. Why? It's God. I am not important, but we're talking about everybody else. I don't think that's what they meant. Be humble around everybody else. Like, oh, I'm just insignificant, nothing. That's what I believe. However, when people ask me, you know, oh, you built multiple eight-figure businesses and man, how'd you do it? And I'm thinking, well, I didn't really do anything. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. So people are like, oh, that's so humble of yeah. you. It's not that humble of me. It's just my perspective. Yep. My perspective is it's not that difficult, yeah. especially when you have a personal brand. Like it took me 20 years to build the first one. It took me a year to build the next three. So if you don't want people to be humble, you just don't want them to be egotistical pricks? No. Again, egotistical, arrogance, stuff like that. You're All you're saying is just don't create damage and be on the other side where you're putting others down. Own who you are and, and know that you're worthy of whatever. And so and value who you are. Bingo. I don't think you can outperform your own self-image. That I 100% agree. Yeah, so if you have a poor self-image, you yeah. need to raise it. You need to, you need to, you want to increase your net worth, you better increase your self-worth. 
Mm-hmm. So most people get taught the opposite. And don't be conceited. Don't be arrogant. Don't be egotistical. Be humble. You shouldn't think you're great. You shouldn't think you shouldn't think you're the best. Huh? What are you talking about? I shouldn't. What should I think? Oh, think you're not important. Think you're nobody. Think you're lower than everybody else. Yeah. Bullshit. Not true. I don't agree. And again, I don't, you don't have to agree with me. There's people right now listening to this, getting angry over this. You need to be humble. Well, they'd again, be tied to the trash from their past, by the way, if they're getting angry over this, because I actually love your perspective. Again, it's perspective. Well, I've asked people, would you rather get handed $100 million or earn 20? And every one of them says earn 20. And I'm like, why? I'd rather get handed $100 million. Oh, if you, if you get it handed to you, it's not worth anything. What are you talking about? It's, it's worth five times what you got. Mm-hmm. And I did it fast and there was no effort involved. And they're like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but and every one of them, as I talked through it, changed their opinion because they were taught it's not worth it. If someone hands you something, mm-hmm. the, the hard work is the payoff. You know, you got to be humble. Don't be arrogant. Lower yourself. Like it's just wrong in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. It's just my opinion. Now, what I will tell you is I believe in humility, but through the definition of how you described humble, I'm in line with you because all I want people to do is to know who they are and have a strong spine to be able to stand in conviction with who they are, regardless of what the world's throwing at them. Yeah. And then also to be able to have a soft front, drop the armor so that they don't have to be pushing people away because of what they're hiding and trying to protect. Like if you can stand with a soft front, strong spine, like that is confidence, that is conviction. And it doesn't have to be egotistically based where it's designed to hurt people. And that's all you're saying. You just want people to stand in their own truth and be confident and know that they are worthy and that they are valuable, but that the biggest block for them to get there is their internal thoughts and feelings that are going to limit their ability to seek that. Agreed. Based on what they were taught. Bingo. And society. Bingo. And that's why I think, you know, screw society. Yeah. Like in other words, I don't care. I don't need everyone's validation. Yeah. Because I validate myself. How do you do that? Ethics and integrity. Uh, you said you didn't have ethics before. So take us back there. What did that mean to you when you said I lacked ethics early in my career? Well, like, you know, I would, I would uh, steal. Okay. Um, I would scam. Like I'd go to a mall, find receipts on the ground, read the numbers and the item that was on the thing. Because, you know, receipts would say men's leather jacket, you know, with a, with a tag number. And I'd go into the store and, and look. This is all alleged, by the way, in case statute of limitations. <laughs> Is allegedly, but I'd go into the store allegedly and grab a jacket off the rack, walk up, say, Can I get my money back? And they'd be like, You have a receipt looking at me like, Shh. and I'd say, Yeah, right here. And they'd go, oh. and they'd give me my money back for a leather jacket that I didn't buy. That's not ethics. That's not integrity. That's the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I was literally the opposite. I would, I wanted shit, didn't have money. So I'd steal it. I used to walk into stores or allegedly and grab a grocery cart. Are you from Oregon? No, I'm from Arizona. I don't know how you know Warehouser, but but uh, I know a lot of people. Well, there's I don't know if there's any in Arizona, but up there there's a, there's stores called Fred Meyer. Yeah, and Fred Meyer is almost like a Target slash grocery store. Yeah, and so I would literally get a list from people of what they wanted, and I would walk into Fred Meyer, grab a grocery cart, fill it full of all the things on my list. Clothes, tools, VCRs. It didn't matter. Stereos. It didn't matter. Whatever you wanted. And I would literally load up a grocery cart filled with stuff and push it right out the door. And I didn't really care. 
Like what's going to happen? I go to jail, you know, they don't put kids in jail. So I wasn't very ethical, you know. When did that, when did that end and why? Coincidentally, it ended right around when I was 18 because now I will go to jail. Mm. I knew the consequences weren't going to be that bad. Mm. But when you became 18, you realized that the penalties could go up. And so your risk tolerance for that went down. It went, it <laughs> went away. But that's not yeah. ethics either. No. Like I would, I, would, I would steal if I didn't get in trouble. Well, then you're not ethical. Yeah. So it didn't go away just because I was just smart enough to realize I better stop now. So 18, the behavior stopped. When did the thought process and belief system change? I would say around 30. And what drove that? I helped a good guy change his life by showing him how to sell. And, and I watched his family blossom and mm. literally become happy. When they went from what I would consider timid and shy to flourishing and, and vivacious. And I thought, man, that's cool. I want to help other people do that. I'm going to go uh, help other people do that. And looking back, it's like, that's literally when I started to change because I used to be all about me. And then accidentally, like, again, you know, oh, Brad, how'd you do that? I don't know. I just kind of just, that felt good. Let me go, let me go help other people. And then money started coming in. And looking back, I thought, that's the change is when I went from trying to help me to help everybody else. Like I stopped focusing on me and I started focusing on others. Mm. And that's literally the time things shifted. And then through that, you, you, you know, you get experience, you know, in life and you start to learn that things you say and things you do hurt people. And then you grow up and you mature a little bit. And then you realize, man, you were a dick. You were a you were a little bit of a you know unethical prick. So I, I I grew up and then I realized you know you know like cheating you know I've cheated before. People say oh once a cheater always a cheater that's not true. People can change and the craziest thing dude is you have to change. If you don't change, you're going to stay the same mm -hmm. and that's to me worse. Yeah. So a lot of people are afraid to change when in reality that's what they need to do. That's what they should embrace. So I changed. People can change. And I don't know exactly the, the, the pivotal moment that I changed other than I went from being focused on me yeah. to, to focusing on others. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, like things changed and, and then, you know, you grow and you, you learn. Yeah. Now it's like, if you, if you, if you walked out of this room and you didn't realize there was a million dollars sitting there, I wouldn't take it. I'd tell you, dude, you got a million dollars sitting right there. Now, would I hope you give me some of it because <laughs> I found it? Well, sure I would but I wouldn't steal it. I wouldn't, in other words, it doesn't matter who's looking or what consequences. I wouldn't do it now anyway. Right. If, you're, you're completely evolved from where you started 100%. at this point in your life. And so even with girls, like if, like if girls came up to me, gorgeous girls and wanted to you know, yeah. blow me real quick, I'd be like, you know, I'm married. Yeah. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but you know what I mean? Like in other words, you would not if you, if no one knew no i would know and that's the difference by the way that's also a source of my confidence because you have ethics because a lot of people don't and i do yeah. so guess what that makes me not better than but better so the point though you know when you know like you either do it or you don't you're like i would know right period so and then, and then and then you're a fraud you're fake you're not real 
And so, so talk about that for one second, lying, stealing, cheating, scamming, right? Again, this is not who you are. No. Right? These were behaviors that you had and beliefs at one point that you, that you maintained. Yeah. Great. But that's not who you are anymore. But you were there at one point. hundred percent. Right? So was, I think everybody. When you did those things then, were you, did you feel it? Were you aware that it was causing damage for other people? Yes. And how did you experience that at that time? Didn't give a rat's ass. Really? No. Why? Because, dude, I got the you game. Got I don't care if you lose if I'm game. See what I'm saying? But that's not your belief system anymore. So that was just, that was how it was ingrained then? Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. yeah. So there was not, literally, there wasn't a feeling and empathy or compassion. It was almost like sociopathic. Like, I mean. Dude, listen, they, we, had a, we had an exchange student uh, come stay with my aunt. Um, and I stole his money. Jeez. Yeah, because he had it. And I wanted it. So I walked into the room. I was over at my aunt's house. I walked into the room. He had it up on this little ledge thing. No one was, nobody was there. I yeah. just stole it. And he came back and like, I didn't care that he was in a country that with no money. Why? Because I knew my aunt would give him money. I knew he'd be fine. He knew he'd be taken care of. Yeah, he'd be fine. Like no one's going to let him yeah. rot in America. He was an exchange student, but I snatched his money. Yeah. Now again, dude, now I would never do something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't cheat on a, a, a girlfriend or a wife. I wouldn't steal money. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell somebody something they didn't need and, or I thought I could help. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, just take all the normal that they're not that bad. Yeah. Like again, like when I said that dude was transactional, there's a lot of people like that. It, it's not bad. It's normal. It's just, I'm the opposite. Yeah. Like I'd rather, some people would rather have a dollar than a friend. And some people would rather have a friend than a dollar. I'm one of those. Like I'd rather make a million dollars a year and be your buddy than $10 million a year and we're enemies. Right. Like I'd rather be the buddy and make a little less. Yeah. Because I don't think in limitations. I don't think in scarcity. I think there's plenty of money. Yeah. There's plenty of, of resources for everybody. I agree. So I my, completely agree. My, my mindset to me, it boils down to three things, dude. Mindset, skill set, and habits. So if someone's trying to figure out how to succeed, focus on your mindset, focus on your skill set, and focus on your habits. If you're not where you want to be, it's because of one of those three things. Yeah. I'm curious because you have had a multitude of tumultuous situations, relationships, and, and you even said, when I became aware that I started hurting people. What was one of the times that you were hurt most in life or in business by someone that you didn't see it coming from? And how did you move yourself through that? Well, I'm pretty thick skinned. Um, so it didn't really affect me very much. Um, and I've had a billion people try to screw me. Um, the biggest one, I don't know. I mean, you know, I could think of a few, but like partners that I gave a piece of my company to mm -hmm. when I started, they tried to get me kicked out of the company and basically steal it from me. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I had no idea. Are they still in the company? Hell no. Yeah, so they're not but, still there. But I did, have to get, I did have to give them several million dollars each to get them out. So, and again, several million that I didn't have. Yeah. You know, the company was, you know, almost out of business because of that. But at the end of the day, you know, they jacked me for no reason, greed, but uh, I didn't see that coming. And then, you know, Sometimes when you think somebody's your buddy and they let you know that they're not really your buddy, mm. you know, a couple of those deals here and there. Um, 
I don't think I've ever been cheated on by a girl that I know of. And the reason I say that I know of is because if I knew about it, well, then I'd know about it, but I don't. <laughs> That's totally fair. They may have, but I don't know of any girls that ever cheated on me, but that would be something that I would say yeah. is, is the biggest. Like to me, it's almost like I don't want to fear it the most because whatever you fear most tends to happen. But that's one of the things like I do not like yeah. that idea. If I found that out, I'd, I'd be I'd be hurt. Yeah. Seems but I don't get hurt otherwise. That, you know, that's it's interesting. I, uh, I guess my question to that is where in your life do you feel emotion like something below the, the skin, something that's deeper? And I don't mean it that you don't feel or express it. I don't. I, I would agree that I don't. But I would I would say that largely, right, you operate intellectually. And there's not a whole lot below the neck in terms of things that penetrate and get you. I would agree. Where in your life do you feel? My kids. Yeah. And, what, and describe that to us. Because I'm a dad. I know what that is. But for you, since so many other things can be pale in comparison... What does being a dad mean and what does that feeling mean to you? Well, I mean, you know, where do I feel? Like, again, if, if I were to, when you say feel, I always think, you know, cry and, and like, you know, emotional and stuff like that. So I feel obviously just like everybody else, but that kind of emotion would be attached to my children. Meaning like if, if anything happened to them or, or, you know, you just want them to be okay. Yeah. So like if they if something was wrong with them, then I would be like, you know, the whole world. Needs that's to the stop. only thing that rattles you. Yeah. That's, you know, then I would get, well, oh, well, yeah, I'd be rattled. But fortunately, nothing's ever happened yeah. and, and hopefully nothing ever will. But like to me, somebody stabbing me in the back. I'm like, eh, what's that? A little knife. No big deal. Yeah. Someone shoots me. You know, hey, what's that little little bullet hole? No big deal. Because it's normal. If you ask me, Yeah. like it's not that big of a deal. You've never been screwed? Absolutely. I have. I'll bet you ask him. He's been screwed. Yeah. Everyone's been screwed. So, so I'm not going to sit there and, you know, get deep about it. Um, but you do. You're you're a deep dude. You've you've me and you talking is like, you know, you're connected. Your emotional IQ is much higher than mine. I I believe that you need to remove emotion. If you removed all emotion, you would be a much much more successful individual not mm -hmm. you in person everybody mm -hmm. including me because sometimes i choose not to fire somebody why well they got kids at home and i don't want them to go home and feel like a loser so let me just give them some some other options and let me just tolerate this mm -hmm. shit a little more like dude if i had no emotion hey buddy gotta let you, you gotta go way easier when you don't have <laughs> yeah i gotta let you go i don't care about you and your parents yeah. and i don't care that it's christmas like we, we just gotta let you go boom and i operated strictly with emotion free operations i i guarantee i'd be 10 times more successful than i am right now fortunately i'm successful even without doing that what's really interesting though is i feel like what's nuanced in what you're saying is i don't think that you and i are far off in the way that we actually view things i believe that the effective removal of the emotional triggers that cause people to feel and get stuck because they're triggered into that moment are the things that keep them stuck and if they can learn to remove that understand the source of it and be able to move through it, that they can operate in a place where in business, because here's the thing, look, the only way to ever scale a business through systems and processes and people, That's right. right? And so if it's through systems and processes and people, then you have to, on the people side, not only be able to know how to lead them, connect with them and grow them, but at the same time, 
if there is a lack of alignment in the business, you also need to make those decisions to remove people from your business where it's going to impact all the other lives that you're supporting as well as all the other people that your products support, yep. right? And so I don't view that as a lack of emotion. I view that as, as the ability to distinguish between situations and understandings. And that the reality of it is often when it's not working with an employee, you're actually doing them a fucking favor that even if they don't know it. Anymore. Because it's, if it's out of alignment for you as an employer, it's likely out of alignment for them. Otherwise, you'd be getting the production and the alignment out of it. Right. So for me, I actually believe it's where people have not learned how to regulate or diffuse the negative emotions that keep them stuck, that when flipped on the other side through understanding, it actually becomes extremely powerful. Do you know that the heart has a hundred times the electrical charge to the mind? Do you know that the heart is 5,000 times more magnetic than the mind? Hmm. So if you led with heart, which is emotion, right, you'd actually be hundred to 5,000 times more magnetic and electrical in the way that you operate. Well, can I throw another Please, yeah. thing that just dawned on me as you were saying that? You know that the heart is physical and real and you can touch it and the mind is not. Bingo. The brain you can touch. And you can, but we all agree we have one, which is odd in, in and of itself. But keep going with your heart stuff. The heart is real. Mm -hmm. the, the mind is mythical. Bingo because it creates fabrication, causes us to see things that aren't real in front of us. I think the only thing that's real right now is what's right here, right now in this moment, with the heartbeat and rhythm that our life is guiding us by. Your heart stops beating, your life ends, right? Hey, and, 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 and you know what? It will. It always will. And it's a healthy understanding and relationship with mortality that also allows people to have high risk tolerances and be able to move. Yeah, like when, when people die or have died around me that I know, I'm never really affected. Yeah. And people are always like, dude, how do you do this? And it's like, people die. Now, my kid, one of my kids died, different story. Yeah. But like my dad died. Yeah. My stepmom, who's technically my mom, because she raised me since yeah. I was two. You know, she died. Uh, my sister died. My brother died. And I'm just like, you know, ooh, dang, bummer. Dang, that's crazy. No kidding. Wow. Man. All right. Uh, you know. Where are we going on a trip? And people yeah. are like, dude, how, are you, how do you do that? You're emotionless. People die. I'm going to die. I don't connect dying with trauma anyway. If you have any kind of faith in the afterlife or, or any kind of spiritual faith whatsoever, everyone says it's better after here, right? Mm -hmm. So when someone dies, they're just lucky that, that, that they get to move on before we do. So who are we crying for, them or us? You know, well, I'm not going to see them anymore, and that's just sad. Who says you're not going to see them anymore? I don't believe that you'll not you'll not see them anymore. And if you look at our lifetime as as what it is, dude, it's a blip. It's a freaking fraction of a second. Imagine if you died. I've always thought about this. I want to make see again. I want to make a movie that this is its premise, and it would be like, wow, everybody'd be like, wow. But imagine if you died right now. And you had kids and all your loved ones you left behind. And as soon as you opened your eyes in heaven or wherever you go, they're there. And they died too. And you think, oh my God, how did you die? And they go, well, I, I died of old age. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? When I died, you were nine. Right? How did you die of old age? Because when you died, time was no more. So where literally the day you die, everybody dies. So. I, 
actually through a lot of my work with my consciousness and meditation coach that I've worked with for the last three years. She's like a wealth of knowledge with every religion study and everything. And so she's been an amazing resource for me, but it's really interesting because I, I actually believe, I think, and this is probably going to be polarizing for people because I don't talk about this necessarily all the time, but I genuinely believe so much now in multiple lives. I believe in ourselves and who we are are inherently the universe. We are the source and the connection. We've got to remove the interference to get back to it. And when we're in most alignment with ourselves and our head and our heart, right? And truly those are both operating in alignment. Not only do you get insane external results, but to your point, the second you're dead, you're either back into your next life in the afterlife, but the existence doesn't end. And I genuinely believe, you know, I'll tell you that this is the first time I've said this on camera, because this was only last week that this hit me. Um, I was asked a question for myself around one of these areas of resistance that I was experiencing in my life. And it was associated with the time of my accident from this external source. They put, they put this into my, my aura. And as I sat with it and was understanding what I really hadn't sat with maybe ever, and I don't know if it was 24 hours or 72 hours, but after my accident, I remember being between worlds. I remember feeling as if it wasn't real, feeling as if it was a dream. And as if like my spirit or whoever I was, was sitting above my body, watching the whole fucking thing happened. And the reality of it is, is that cannot be true unless what you're talking about is real. Maybe it's just my intuition. I think you're a pretty connected guy. And that's why I think it's, 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 it's interesting because I actually genuinely believe that more feeling for you would amplify you even greater. Well, again, I mean, you know, I am who I am. So it's not that I refuse to feel. Yeah. Just don't necessarily always. I didn't for 25 years. Yeah. Well, again, I don't know. I, how to... I shut off physical pain. I shut off emotional pain, mental pain, and spiritual pain. I didn't feel the fucking thing for 25 years. None of it. I, I operated largely like you do. Well, you know, uh, one time I was on stage doing a keynote and uh, I was talking about ultimately my past. And, you know, I started to tear up a little bit and you know everyone's like oh that was beautiful that was vulnerable like that was my favorite part of you and i'm like you know i'll never do that again why well because in my mind you know pussies cry like hmm. you know i was always taught you know you don't cry my dad always would say you know stop your crying you know i'll give you something to cry about you know don't don't seems you pretty clear you operate this way my friend <laughs> yeah but i mean like so it was coming into me not to cry so <laughs> maybe that's was. it that's my whole point is this is exactly the thing is this is a pattern that was unconsciously embedded into you that's a belief system that you can't feel and exist because it's not something that was ever okay in your house but it, but it, and, and again i'm not saying there's, any, there's no right or wrong because sure. again i'm not sitting here hey, like that's a bad thing that's, that's okay just, that's okay and so you know for me that that's what i just think is interesting because that is so often what keeps people in that space and i would argue that you lead with heart in many situations, regardless, because I genuinely believe in the level of impact you. So again, I'm not saying it right or wrong, but you're right. That's probably one of the sources that causes you to feel that. Because I believe that true strength hides behind vulnerability. I think that's when you really get the authentic self in place. And that's when you really connect deeply with the person. And I genuinely believe that you know the difference between surface level connection and deep connection with a person. And so though the emotion you can remove in your analysis 
I think you understand the difference in how those feel and you probably want more deep relationships than these. Not that you want a large number, but you care about a deep connection. Sure, I'd have to, I'd have to understand the full definition, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think so, yeah. Like you would think, I'm not against it, but, but then again, I don't require it. Because you haven't necessarily experienced it either, maybe. <laughs> so you don't know what you're missing, I guess. But maybe, maybe I don't want to be uh, painful or, you know, I don't, don't want to be hurt. I, yeah, I, don't be be, I don't want to be hurt. Yeah. So it's like you, you avoid a haircut by staying out of the barbershop. Mm -hmm. Someone yeah. says, you know, you're in the barbershop, dude, you can come out bald. Well, I ain't going in the barbershop then. You know, maybe that's it. I don't but want then you're going to get a, Then you're going to get a long raggedy haircut, man. And yeah, but I don't want to be bald. It's fair. Like someone said, you're going to start taking tests. I'm like, sure. And they're like, what about your hair? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, test causes you to lose your hair. I'm like, well, number one, I don't necessarily believe that. But if that's the truth, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'd rather be a fat dude <laughs> with hair. Fair enough. I do not want to be a bald dude because when, when I was in the Marines, they shaved my head. And dude, my head. It, it looks round when you look at it like right now, but for some reason, when when, it's I, shaved. when, when they, when they shaved my head, dude, and I would look in the mirror, it looked like a, like a teardrop. My head was like a cone head. It was like a cone head. And I'm like, dude, that's so weird. Like my hair covers like the fact that I got a cone head. That's awesome. It, I, I, well, I did not look good at all. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. I'm like, dude, I'm keeping my hair. That's a good thing that you got some hair up there. I feel like, well, you're receding. Look, I can show you pictures when I'm 22 and this, my hair's always been How old are you now 54 yeah i thought you were mid 50s dude you're 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 not you're fine you're set yeah so like you know the other day i was working out and there's mirrors everywhere and kind of seen this little bald spot on my head and i went up and i felt it like this and it went away so it was like the way my hair was but like i don't mind thinning a little bit but dude someone said dude you're gonna go bald if you do testosterone yeah and I'm i got i got man. bald spots in my face i'm trying to grow a beard for the first time ever just to see you probably wake up in the morning and push those whiskers out <laughs> You got a thick ass hair on your face, man. Yeah, I've never grown a beard though. Ever? No? Why not? Uh, I think they look terrible. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's not a beard yet. It's not, but I'm talking about a beard. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's facial hair. I, I won't be showing I won't be growing a beard. But I haven't even gotten that long. Like, no. Yeah, How long has like, she gone? I you know, five o'clock shadow plus. I think the most I'd ever gone was like a week. I, I think it's because what do you mean? I I had never gone more than a week without shaving. Oh, and until recently, I, well, like I, I had a mustache two years ago. I shaved this morning, just FYI. I believe that you wake up and you just push it out. I see it. I know. Yeah. So so to me, a five o'clock shadow is basically what I like. Um, a full ass beard. Yeah. Every time I let it go for even kind of long, it starts to itch. Yeah. And it start and, and I'm like, oh, and I gotta get rid of it. Same thing with my arms, like. Normally, I'll shave my arms. Why? I used to also. Because if my hair stayed like this, it'd be fine. But, dude, my hair will grow on my arms to where it becomes what feels like a bug's nest. Fur. Fur. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I, and it feels yeah. like there's, there's shit in it, and my watches get caught in it. And, it, and it's like, and it, it feels like there's bugs crawling in it. It's just, dude, I, I call it a sensory thing. Like, people used to ask me why I would shave my legs and my arms occasionally, and it was sensory. It just felt that. I didn't know what reason I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I did. I don't, it was something that I liked. It was fine. I don't anymore. Um, I, I shaved my nether regions once and my wife didn't like it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm like, did you get out of there unscathed? Hopefully. No, I mean, like, you know, I said, I said, uh, oh yeah, good. <laughs> but, but, 
I walked out and, I, and my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm, I'm manscaping. I'm cleaning it up. <laughs> you know, she said, well, don't. And I said, <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She goes, it just, it's just weird. And I said, well, what do you want? A, a big old bushy dick? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Men have hair. That's awesome. And I'm like, damn. So I never did that again to the nether regions, but I do, I do like to be manscaped, meaning I don't want a big, you know, I call it a penis puff. Like, I don't want some big bush, you know, and I don't want her to have a bush. Yeah. I mean, I think if she's like, like, I need a bush. It's I'm done. I think the regular trimming goes a long way on all sides. Mowing. 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 Yeah. Like, 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 if it gets lengthy, yeah. shave her down. Like, I don't care if it's there, but it better be like, and girls, not at all. Like girls, smooth. I don't, I don't like that bushy shit. Uh, but I did grow up in that era. But you want them to be who they are. So the can, most important you, thing is. Can you make? Can you? No, I don't. Like in that regard. <laughs> okay. hey, so, so there's a line. All right, yeah. <laughs> get rid of it. There's but, a line. Hey, I just want to figure out how to, you know, throw my own little, you know, flare into this podcast because it's I, always. I like your little flare. It's always all professional and you know emotional people we, we had, we, we've had real conversation it's good dude we had one of our guests uh, uh start busting out to michael jackson midway and was going to show us a dance performance we we do all things on this show okay. we get deep but man if we can't have fun what's the point of it that's right yeah and life is supposed to be fun yeah i uh i can tell you the times in my life that have been the hardest i also have the same perspective on you things can be hard but it's perspective um it's often been when i haven't been having enough fun yeah for people listening, I think if you can just figure out how to shift your perspective, mm -hmm. the same exact situations that you're pissed off about will be something that you're laughing about. Yeah. To me, you know, it's a bitch getting rich and it's a bitch being broke. So, like, pick your bitch. So, well, I don't want a bitch. So, guess what? I don't think the 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 time that I'm putting into work is hard. Like people say, you know, you work hard. I always see you at your office. That's not hard. To me, hard is going up and down a mountainside, carrying a 50-pound bag of water. You get home and you're sore. Your back hurts. You're scraped up. Yeah. You got poison oak and you got to go out there and sweat and, and, and it doesn't matter. Like power through. Like to me, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Construction uh, workers aren't really that hard either in some cases, but the ones that are hauling the bags of cement up to the people that are you know yeah. pouring the cement that's hard hard work is for the birds i think everyone should understand that you know making money is not difficult but yeah. that's just a shift of perspective because ask most people they'll think it is yeah talk about your partnership with jason what about Good it job seems like you guys have a really cool dynamic that seems to be working and has been for a while. So yeah, 20 some years, you know, it, talk, talk about that partnership. We're like, we're like the complete opposite. And so how did you, how did you find each other and how have you guys leveraged the opposites? Well, again, I mean, like I found him, uh, he didn't find me. I found him because I had this project that I wanted to get created and it was very apparently difficult at the time and i was explaining light speed and i was talking to this kid that you know was computer wizard and he's like oh i don't i don't know if this can be done and yada 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 and i said dude there's got to be somebody in the world and he said there's one company i know of that um i know this guy that that works there and this company is like the most cutting edge 
you know, web design uh, company out there. And turns out it's Jason's company. Mm. And so I went over there and started talking to Jason about this vision. And sure enough, that's how I met him. That's how I found him. You have been together for 20 years? Matter of fact, I found him from the guy who invented or started this thing called Bum Fights. Remember Bum Fights? Yeah, uh, yeah I do. Yeah, which is crazy, too, because he wanted to give me 5% of Bum Fights to, to let him use an office. And I'm like, you know, what's your marketing plan? They're like, we're going to send it to Howard Stern. I'm like, that's your marketing plan? Send it to Howard Stern? Pass. <laughs> and and it got huge. And I'm like, you know, what what'd you guys do? He goes, we sent it to Howard Stern. <laughs> I'm like shit. So sometimes it's just that simple. Well, no, they all went to jail. Oh, so I might. I didn't been, remember that end of the story. Oh yeah, dude, you can't get bums to fight apparently by bribing them with you know booze and yeah, money and I, food. I can imagine why that would be frowned upon. Yeah, so they all went to jail for some reason. Um, I might have went to jail if I owned five percent. You might have, but but I passed like an idiot. Um, but that's who introduced me to Jason or or told me about Jason. I went and found him. And uh, ultimately closed him on building my first version of it. Okay. And then when he realized what we were doing, he's like, you're getting paid over and over and over for the same thing. Because he was used to getting two, three, four million dollars, but for a project. And mm -hmm. once the project was over, he'd have to go build Nothing something else. And then, you know, times would go up and times would go down. Why? Because if he didn't sell nothing, they didn't eat nothing. Well, he loved the idea of recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. So I convinced him to take his whole company and, and become my company and I'll give him a piece. And that's what he, he had a company called style wise. Okay. And, and after that, I called it style was because it was done. And now he became Lightspeed, and his whole entire development team, you know, cool. became Lightspeed, And, and, uh, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah. How would you describe both of your roles? Roles? Yeah. Well, dude, he's technology and um, kind of, he's technology and execution. Um, if I could have a hundred Jasons, I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> um, and I'm the sales guy, you know, I'm the face. Mm -hmm. So I'm outgoing and, you know, drive Rolls Royces and, you know, one time, one time we were going to visit a client in California and I rented a limo and he was so embarrassed to get in that mm -hmm. limo and show up in a limo. Like he's totally the opposite of that. Um, you know, I think he voted for Biden. As a matter of fact, I know he did. Who does that? Dumbasses, that's who. But he, but he didn't care because he didn't, he didn't vote for Biden. He voted against Trump. He, he didn't like Trump. Um, I like Trump. I like Trump. Um, he got a vaccine. I said, why, why would you do that? Are you stupid? He said, because I don't want to get sick. So it's like complete opposite of me. Yeah. But, but again, partners for 20 some years, I think I've been to his house, his new house I haven't been to, and he's owned that for five years. But, <clears throat> um, you know, it's, well, it's what, crazy, what, literally crazy because, again, we're not tight, but we're tight. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, he's him and I'm me. And everyone who meets us says, dude, you guys are the exact, exact opposite. But you honor and respect that. Well, yeah, because without him, Lightspeed wouldn't be in business. Right. And what's crazy, if you asked him, he would tell you, without me, Lightspeed wouldn't be Oh, I'm sure he believes that. 
So literally it required both of us. I believe that. And when it boils down to it, if I get a big client, I say, Jason, you handle it. Why? Well, because when Jason handles something, it gets it's done. done. Remember when you wanted that development? And Jason, I'm like, Jason. Jason, Jason every time was the most impactful in getting started. Yeah, if I had a hundred of him, dude, I'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Like there's a lot of clients that could have that could have done this and could have done that. They just didn't do much. Why? Well, because someone on my team didn't have the, yeah. the vision or the execution that Jason had. Yeah. So that's why I told Jason, and that's why I said the hardest thing on is building a team is because like you can't find a million Jasons. Yeah. You can't find a million me's either. Like a dude, if I could clone me, I'd be a billionaire. Well, and you obviously don't agree on certain worldly issues, oh, hell. right? And I mean, even just, and I'm just going to go to say, I don't care on which side of it it is. I don't think that um, political party or who voted for who determines someone's intelligent or the type of person that they are. I, I do. Like, I know you do, and that's okay. Yeah, like, I'm, I was, I'm saying it definitively because I, I know really smart people who voted for Biden and really smart people who voted for Trump. And if you voted for Biden, you're not very smart. Well, that's, again, your opinion. And so that's cool. And I love a vaccine. I know, but again, and, and, and so that's your belief. But what's interesting is, is you have a very strong belief on what's right or wrong from that standpoint, yet you still want everyone to be who they are. And you have a partner that for over 20 years, despite the fact that you joke and poke at each other about this stuff, you still see as a human being. Sure. And you, I guarantee, even if he's not your best buddy that you're hanging out with every week, you have love and care and desire for what's best for Jason of course. because of everything that's happened as a human being, regardless of where he's separate from you. hundred percent. And that again, is one of those things that my assistant voted for Biden and got vaccine. And again, so to my point, that's what I at least wanted to just make sure that everybody heard, because I can hear you say that so blatantly. Yet I also see you have humanity. Yeah. And you also talk to people through the lens of regardless of what you believe or what they believe and whether they're in alignment or not. I think that you traditionally are looking to, you may joke and poke and have fun. Yeah, I give respect. You're not wanting to have someone feel like crap. No, no, no. I give respect. You know, if someone wants to vote for Biden, go ahead. But the reason I say you're dumb if you did is because uh, he couldn't form a freaking sentence. The dude is not uh, like, in other words, you don't like Trump. Great. There is a bunch of other people vote for. Why would you vote for that guy? Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't. He still can't. Like I used to see these clips where he's a. And I'm like, did someone edit this and make him look yeah. stupid? Nope. That was exactly what he did and what he said. Why would you vote for someone? This is the president of the United States. He's our representation. He's steering the ship. And that's who you're going to vote for? The dumbest one out of them all? That makes, in my mind, well, then you must be dumb. But I'm just poking because I do know Jason's not a dumb dude. Right. But in that, that case. That's all I wanted to flush out. And I get, but yeah. in that case, he's an idiot. And again, I want to be clear. You probably right? voted for Biden, didn't you? Uh, you know what? That's why he's defending it. No, no, no. It actually has nothing to do with who I voted for or not. Yeah. I like genuinely, I voted on both sides in so many situations. Yeah. Like Obama, I voted for Obama. Yeah. Everyone said, oh, no, Obama, he'll kill the government. Dude, I thought he represented yeah. us well. What I, I, all I was trying to flesh out, though, is I think that that's one of the things that's really interesting is that I find that politics in particular creates this polarization where people feel the need to protect against themselves because. Many people who make statements like you just did don't have the humanity associated with it. Yeah, but dude, look, would you let Jeffrey Epstein babysit your daughters? I don't know Jeffrey Epstein, and based on everything, based, based on what you know, no. But okay, well, there you go. I wouldn't let you babysit my daughters either. Well, again, then then you don't know me very well. No, I would. But here's the thing: 
your kids, your daughter's the same age as mine, and I would trust my kids to be around you. Yeah, for know sure. That they would be safe and they would be protected. 100%. But do I call Brad Lee to say, are you going to babysit my kids? No. No, but if I were trying to babysit your kids and you let me, no one would say, are you nuts? He's a freaking pervert. And so I agree completely. You voted for a guy that can't form a sentence to run the country? I hear you. That's stupid. That's just, oh my God. But most of them, they didn't vote for that dude. They voted against that dude that that is honestly true yeah for many people. and to me you know i can understand that but because again i'm no i'm no trump fanatic no 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 and i'm not and i'm not and i'm not saying that you are that's my point is I, I just i wanted everybody to hear like dude, you have humanity i just think the business of of the government because it is a business uh should be operated like a business and i need i would rather have a business person in there now right now if the world came down to it and they said okay who do you want to be president now I mean, like DeSantis, maybe? Why? Because look how he ran Florida. Like, dude, with the whole COVID thing. I know people that are still saying you should go get vaccinated. Yeah, Dude, there's people dropping dead from being vaccinated. There's heart conditions from being vaccinated. Someone's, well, I don't have one. Well, you should be feel lucky. It doesn't mean that there's yeah. not, it's not happening. It is happening. Yeah. And they have evidence now. Yeah. And they're like telling people yeah. it's not effective. It doesn't stop the spread. Yeah. We were played. That's all. So why are they continuing this? Yeah. But again, we don't want this press, so let's change the subject. But like, again, Jason got vaccinated. My assistant got vaccinated. But, and again, I still love them. They're still buddies of mine. I don't, I don't hate people for what they've decided, but I can question it. Always. Just like I would question you and vice versa. And I, I talked do, about that before we even started recording. It's like, dude, all I want is like, yeah, and I, I don't expect to agree with you on everything. Yeah, and I ask people like, why would you get vaccinated? They, they're like, well, you know, I had to, or I, or I lose my job. Okay, understand. I got vaccinated, or I wouldn't have seen my grandma with Alzheimer's. She was See, declining. understandable. Right? And so, but, but also, you're more like Jason. You're trusting. Uh, you trust the government. No, I wouldn't say that I do. Then why would you get a vaccine? Because I wasn't going to be able to see my grandma. Oh, see, there you go. There's your. My reason. grandma was in a home with Alzheimer's, and anybody, nobody could get access to the facility that wasn't vaccinated. How about now, though? Now they can. Yeah. So you, you could have waited. I could have, but my grandma declined in those two years so significantly that she's not who she was when COVID started. Well, you're a, you're, so, you're a connected dude. So, I wouldn't have done so, that. Well, I would have okay. said, I would have waved through grandma. I would have waved grandma through the window and hoped she didn't die. Well, I viewed it as this was a way for me to try to stay connected with a woman who had so much impact in my life. And that's a choice I made. Yeah, and well, I, I, I won't look back on that with regret. It just well, hopefully, hopefully you won't. Hopefully I won't. But I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get there. So you could also look at it like maybe I'm the risk taker. Instead of trusting, maybe I'm the risk taker, and, 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 and maybe the other side is going to flip. And so it's perspective, bro. You are the it's risk. You are a risk taking son of a bitch. That's something I just find really interesting. Is yes, there's these things that can exist in our society and world that can separate people so significantly. You talked about, but, but see, there's where I disagree. I, I don't think it should separate people. You like, I don't think any less of you because you got vaccinated. Even though I will let be like, what are you doing? You nuts? But at the end of the day, that's just my opinion, your opinion. And I, and I like to I kind of open up the That's what I was trying to highlight because I'm telling you, Brad, like, not everybody operates that way on both sides. Not everybody does. Oh, for sure. People have belief systems. And if you're on the other side, you're a bad person. 100%. Right? And that's, and that's not how I view it. But that's what I think many people actually like is the divisive nature of it. But I think that to really be able to move forward in general, and I'm going to shift topics from this. Um, it's about connection and who you're surrounding yourself with, teams, resilience, and some of the things that you listed earlier. Yeah. You talked about your biggest problem is building a team. 
why is that your biggest problem? And 20 years over light speed, what has building a team up and down looked like for you? I believe it's obviously because of me. Okay. I love that answer and I accept that. Well, that is, that is ultimately why. There's something about me that, that uh, you know, I've always been a lone wolf almost. Um, you know, I got kicked out of my house when I was 16 years old and never went back. Do you believe you need to be a lone wolf? I don't think I need to be, but I'm willing to be. And I have been. And maybe that's why. Who knows? Maybe the same reason like I don't cry when people die. Well, certain people I will, but I don't. I, death doesn't affect me like it does most people. Um, if you had to guess, if you can so clearly say it's you, what do you think it is? It, it realistically, I think, is because standards I have which are what they're very high so like in other words I want capable team members and how do you and define capable? the ability to hand them a, a issue or a task and they complete it without needing you okay like Jason is one yeah um, I can give a problem to Jason and trust that it's going to be handled and okay. handled well um i don't i don't know of anybody else in my company that i would say that about how do you view failure what do you mean well like what does failure mean to you it means you need to try again it means you need to make adjustments it means you need to change something so how many times do your teams get the chance to make adjustments and change something to meet the standard not very not very often but again, but again, it's also the type of person. So if let's say let's use marketing as an example. Yeah. So I say to my team, my marketing team, hey, here's a customer. Here's what he does. Go make him an unbelievable system to generate leads and close yeah. business for us both. Because you know, I get a yeah, game and they get a game. Yeah. And it's like Unless I go in there and go through the system and say, oh, you should have done this and we need to do this and we need to do this and let's leverage the interactivity this way and let's do it this way. And then the, the landing page needs to say this and let's make this offer and let's make, you know, give that bonus, which will lead to this actual upsell for you. Da, 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 da. Unless I do it, it seems like my entire team can't seem to invent the thing. So it's like, where's these marketing people that are such geniuses that I could get them to understand Lightspeed and how it works. And then they could go grab all my customers and just make them every single one of them successful that want to be successful. There's people that won't advertise. They won't market, you know, for some reason, they have a mental block to spend any money to, to market it. So I can't help those people because you have to spend money to make money in this particular case. Like if everyone doesn't know your courses exist, well, how are you supposed to sell it? Yep. But if I said, do this, 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 and someone goes, boom, 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 and they do it, and now all of a sudden, four times, six times their money returns, I would consider that successful, right? So the marketing team that I have does okay. So it's my standards, meaning I'm never, I'm not happy with their work. And it could be because of my standards. Like, I think everyone should be really smart, really capable, really creative. And it's like, it's like, it might be unreasonable. I'm yeah. starting to lower my standards 
um, but it goes against my standards. See what I'm saying? So I, I struggle. And I'm like, no, I'm, not, I'm just going to keep looking. And every time I find someone that's really good, they don't want to work for somebody. They don't want to work for somebody. They want to just do their own thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, just consult my team. Then they come in. After a while, they're like, well, I, I told them everything, but they don't seem to grasp it or they don't want to do it. Or I'm like, and then I've tried a million things like, okay, well, well let's, let's set up these systems and processes where, where you can't not do it. It's just somehow, some way I can't find a team. Like I know people with teams of people that are good. Grant Cardone, for example, dude, he's got a bunch of people around him that make him look smart, look good, make a lot of money. And it's not him doing it, but everyone thinks it's him. Everyone credits him, but it's not him. It's a bunch of other people. I mean, it's him too, but it's, it's, it's his team. You. It's a team, man. So it, I, it always is. Yeah. So I always think, man, I need a team. I need someone that could take my podcast and blow it up. My podcast is huge without doing anything. What if I did something? Right. People are like, well, what do you mean? You know, there's people out there that understand how to do podcasts 10 times better than I'm doing my podcast. If someone came, came along and said, Brad, I could make that podcast. I might've got 50 million from Spotify, you know, marketing, sales, all of those things. Like, like when I go in and teach the sales team, our sales go up. And then I say, okay, good. Now you guys continue. And then our sales go down. And then I say, well, let me bring in somebody that knows sales and I'll train them. And then they can keep them accountable and stay there full time. Cause I can't be there full time. And then I bring someone in and then they become buddies with the sales team and they don't necessarily hold them accountable because they want to be friends. Mm -hmm. So I'm running through all kinds of leadership positions where it's just like, I can't seem to get really good people. Well, and that's one of the greatest limitations to grow and scale businesses. If you can't find a way to leverage and scale yourself. I know, but that's my, that's my biggest frustration. And if anyone's listening to this and, you, and you're thinking, you know, I'm the best in the world at that. Well, then hit me up because we don't have a money shortage. Yeah. We've got a talent shortage. Well, I, uh, I, I have a pretty strong belief that if that's something that you really desire, I think I could help you get there. And so we can have that conversation offline. But I do think that there's an element of the culture and the environment that's being built and fostered for that to exist. And so we can take that conversation offline. But again, that, that could be the truth. Yeah. It could be all, it, I, I don't say it could be my fault. It is all my fault. But I don't know why. Like, Well, I appreciate that you take the ownership for recognition of that, even if you don't have awareness to the source. Right. If you don't know exactly like what is the pattern, what's the personality trait, what's the way I communicate, what's the way that I lead, whatever. Right. Like if you don't. If you don't know that, but you can still take ownership and say that it's your fault, right? That says a lot about you as a leader. My question is, to that degree, does your team believe that you'll take ownership in any situation for the company and for them? I don't think my team cares. I think, I think they're, I think a lot of them are there to get a check. Okay. They're there to get a check. And again, I mean, like, I, I don't blame them. Like, it's not their company. Well, it's you're my to, company. What you're trying to do is build a team that buys into a vision. 100%. Yeah. And having a team that's just based on employees that are there in exchange for a paycheck, but don't buy into the path, direction, and the work in a meaningful way, isn't going to produce that outside and beyond in your organization. You just nailed it. That's right. Yeah. 100%. So we'll talk more about that. But but again, if someone if someone said, I can do it for you. Again, I might be the, the person that's stopping people by saying, yeah. well, do it. And then 
It's like, you know, you come in for three months and I'm paying a ridiculous amount of money for you. And then you can't tell me in three months that it'll be done. You're going to tell me, you know, you'll just keep paying me and, you know, I'll keep having meetings with your team and the meetings don't go anywhere. After 30 days, I might walk in yeah. and be like, dude, I ain't doing this anymore. When I should have just let it go. I don't know. It could, you know, it could be that because I, I had said, okay, here you go do it. I'm doing it right now. Matter of fact, I brought in three people to be the C level, the C suite. And I'm like, I'm, I'm butting out. I'm not going to say anything. And so they've got all the decisions to make. They, they were doing everything. And then I start hearing the decisions they're making. And I'm like, Ey. and I don't say anything. I'm like, okay, I'll just stay out of it. Well, then I started hearing the sales calls because they were they're mm -hmm. recorded. And I'm like, we're not doing this. Like, dude, I'd rather, I'd rather have our customers not talk to than talk to this way. Okay. So I literally had to go in and blow them out. Like, sorry, this ain't working. And I was like, well, you know, you should have just let it. No, I'm not. I'm not going to let it. There, you can't convince me that that was the right way to do it. And, and, and the numbers agreed. Well, and the reality of it is, is, is your standard for the experience you want your customers to have has always been one of the standards that I've seen in the way that you try to operate your business. Now, whether or not that always gets executed, your desire, intent, and standard always starts in the highest place possible. I think that's my problem. Yeah. Because I want it here. Mm -hmm. I want someone to go, oh, yeah, I'm going with this company because I have multiple companies now. For a while, all I, all I had was Lightspeed, but I'm starting, believe it or not, to attract good yeah. good people. Good. So, so in other companies, though, I'm putting them in these other companies that I started, and it's lovely. Yeah. Um, but I just found another, you know, quality person for, for one of my companies, and it's wonderful. Like, I just want more of those to where literally I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I want to just come up with the vision and, and drive traffic and attention to it and promote. That's all I want to do is promote. I don't want to work. Right. People are like, well, see, there's your problem. You don't want to work. Promotion is work. Promotion is work. Yeah. Like, you know, people look at my social media, dude, I probably spend 40, 50,000 a month on social media. I'm sure you do. A yeah. month. People are like, well, why? What are you doing? Well, again, I'm building a brand and, and it's paid off in tenfold. So at the end of the day, it's actually a wise choice. But some people are like, well, I don't have 40 grand. Well, then you got to do the work yourself. Because if I didn't have a team to do that work, I would have to do it myself. Now, again, just for clarity, because people might be thinking, oh, he's so unappreciative of his team. There's parts of my team that are doing great. Like my social media team, I think they're, they're killing it. But why? Because they're capable. Yeah. I don't have to wonder what they're going to put online. I think in four years, I've only deleted two or three things. Yeah. They know my voice. They, they know what, uh, they know what quality is. So when it comes to social media, dude, all I got to do is talk yeah. and let it be filmed. Yeah. And they chop it up and add the test question or the, the headlines and the subtitles yeah. and the, and the graphics and people are like, Oh, I love your content. Well, I can't take full credit for that because my team is, is, is who's picking They're it. They're doing it all. They even pick it. Because they get eight hours of me talking all day. Dude, all of our stuff is done through our team. It's I couldn't I wouldn't go through and review all my own videos to find all that stuff. No, I couldn't do it. There's no, no way. No, no, it would not be as good if I did it. But but like in that regard, that team, yeah, that's a good team. Yeah. Jason's a team and his team is my development team. That's a good team. Yeah. So for clarity, especially if they're listening, I've got good people on my team. Yeah. 
But your question was, what's my biggest challenge? And I want all good people on yeah. my team. Yeah. And there is there is holes in my game, and I don't like it. And 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 it's like if I do it myself, then it's great. But if I don't do it myself, it's not great, mm. and I can't stand that. That's mm. my biggest challenge. I need to find other people that can take these holes and run with them and make me look great. How do you make them look great? That's not, I don't know. Like, again, I make them look great by paying them well. Yeah. So, no, I, 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 that's more just a question. I'm not saying it's right I, or wrong. Again, I don't know. Okay. Like, it, it isn't about them. Is it? It's about it's about me. So, like, if, if, if I ain't working at your company. You're yeah. working at my company. Yeah. So, it's like, I always make a joke when, when people are talking about me at a table. I say, hey, enough about me. What do you, what do you, what do you all think about me? Can we, can we redirect this conversation back to me? And it's, and it's kind of jokingly, but in, in that case, it's not about them. Right. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe, maybe they don't feel it's about them at all. Who at Apple is the rock stars? I don't, I don't know the answer to the question. That's because nobody got any attention except Steve Jobs. Yeah. And maybe Wozniak, because he was in the beginning. So like if Lightspeed ever became a multi-billion dollar company and the whole world knew about it, me and Jason would get credit. Yeah. All the people that helped us would not. Yeah. So it's like, how do you give them credit? Um, paycheck, shares? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I can't say. And, and by the way, like through interviews, yeah. like I could say, oh, it's not me. It's my team. Yeah. Oh, it's not me. It's them. And we, but I would only do that if it's really yeah, them. Yeah, I believe them. Yeah. And, and in, in certain cases, it's not. Yeah. And that's my biggest struggle. I just need to, I just need to keep, keep tweaking and building. And it takes time. I'm also impatient. Yeah. Well, I think time is the greatest asset, but it's difficult when we have high expectations for standards, outcomes, and we are impatient, right? Because we want everything now. Well, if you read my book, when I was two years old, they found me dead on the floor. Mm. And they rushed me to the hospital. And the nurse sees my dad with a dead baby boy in his hands. And, you know, lifeless, I would say. I wasn't dead, clearly, because I was still ticking somehow. But I flatlined. I was dead, technically. And they told him that they'll get a doctor. And he was freaking out, of course. And they told him to have patience. And he, you know, obviously didn't listen. Barged into the emergency room, started yelling for a doctor. Doctor came over, grabbed me, boom, 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 resuscitated me. If my dad would have sat down and waited for a doctor, I probably wouldn't be here. Mm. 20 years later, I have a son. My wife has this car seat that's a little defective. Handle brakes, literally drops him on his head from about three feet up on pavement. Mm. On pavement. Doesn't cry, no blood. Normal people would probably scoop him up and, oh, he seems to be okay. What a little trooper. You know, but my wife was paranoid. So she rushed into the hospital. Same thing. The nurse said, he's not crying, not bleeding. You see all these kids here? Sit down, have patience. We'll get a doctor. My wife, same thing. Didn't do it. Busted in the emergency room. Started screaming for a doctor. Doctor came over. Hysterical woman. Baby. No signs of any issue. Told them what happened. They said, let's get a, a CAT scan. They looked. They did a CAT scan of his brain. Immediately went into uh, brain surgery. Mm. Immediately. His brain was swelling. He was going to die. If my wife would have sat down and had, at home. and had patience. No, we would have died in the emergency in the waiting room. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Meaning. In, yeah. Yeah. I meant I had she done nothing, but going and not pushing for that next step. Yeah, you would have died in the waiting room. Right. So, like, 
those are two examples where patience would have killed me and my son. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe in patience in, in all regards. I believe in patience. Like if a girl tells you, you know, Hey, hang out and let me go get something yeah. more comfortable on. Yeah. Yeah. By all means have patience. But, but I mean, when it comes to chasing your dreams and getting what you want, I think you, you got to do the opposite. You have to raise your intensity. Yeah. You have to, you have to, you have to increase your action. I think the only thing we need to have patience on is when the outcome will come, but we have to drive with intentional action at a high level consistently to ensure that that's ever, ever even possible. Like, I don't, I don't believe that you just sit and wait for everything to come. Right. And so just in those two examples that you did, that's exactly the case. Your dad put you in a position where you got what you needed because of his parental instinct and the fact that he was going to make you safe and protected and you were going to be taken care of. You did that with your son, with your wife. Right. And her advocacy to ensure that, that she got into the ER with him made sure he got the treatment when he needed it. Right. And so I agree with that completely. Patience to me is not that we just wait and have everything come. Patience is we can't control the timing of the outcome in every situation, but we still have to advocate for what we believe in, who we are, and the impact we're trying to have. And I believe that's what you do. Well, I, I, I'll accept it, I'll receive it. I know we got to get you going to a flight. So do you have any closing thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Um, ultimately, just, you know, I would want people to, regardless of how they feel towards me, because I am a little polarizing, they need to uh, be kinder to themselves, mm -hmm. like raise their value, raise their, their worth, raise their skill sets, their mindset, and, their, and, and change their habits. Because most people, they're all capable of succeeding if they just have the right information and execute it, right? Execution is the key, obviously. Having the right information is great, but if you don't execute, then it's, then it's, right. it's, not, worth, it's not worth anything. But I just want people to realize, you know, value their abilities and, and value themselves more. Most people are more valuable than they think, and that's why they're not making as much as they could be. That's a really awesome way that you said that. Most people are more valuable than they think, and that's not why they're not making as much money as they could be. I, if I had a drop and bomb button, I'd be hitting that because that's the fucking truth, right? That's sure. what we come back to and we talked about from the beginning. It's that internal shit that prevents people from being able to actually go stand on their own two feet, be confident, and stand knowing that who they are is good enough and that they can have high standards for themselves to chase the dreams that they want. So... Thank you for being here with me today, buddy. Um, everybody, Brad Lee just dropped bombs. He talked about where he came from, how that shaped him, some of the unconscious things that took place from his childhood that created some patterns in his life, but his conviction and understanding that from an early age, he did not want to be a physical laborer and he did not want to be isolated and alone shifted him to a place of confidence and conviction and who he is to stand on his own two feet and know that what he wants to create, the life he wants, is going to happen. He lives from a place of manifestation because he doesn't have limitations on the way he views the world and how he moves to be able to take the information from the people that have it to deliver it to people that need it, which is you, is exactly how we can create more opportunities for wealth generation, more opportunities for people to live in alignment with the value and worth that you have authentically step into it. And it's not about being like Brad or being like me or telling you that you have to make a certain amount of money. 
but to live the life that you desire and want to live and to go chase it with no regard for what you could lose on the other side. Put yourself in a position to level up in every area of your life, and that starts inside. You're worth it. Till next time, flip your lid and scan your hand.